Welcome to the Zen Business Podcast, where we explore philosophies and practices for experiencing a more fulfilled and joyous life as a business owner, executive, or entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Zen Business Podcast. My name is Simon Bell and joining us on the show today is clinical psychologist Dr. Jackie Henry. In this episode, we explore the concept of values and how they inform your behavior and experience of life. We look at how the collective values of a group influences culture, a conversation that I feel is applicable to companies, organizations, and even society at large. And we also discuss some simple strategies for identifying your values and the values of your team, which, from my experience, improves staff engagement, creates alignment, and increases overall satisfaction. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, comment, like, or share on whatever platform that you're listening on. Your engagement makes a massive difference to the show. Wherever you are right now in the world, thank you for tuning in. I trust you'll enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So welcome to the show, Dr. Jackie Henry. Hi, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, to share with our audience. I'm excited to to have you on the show to talk about something that we've touched on a couple of times only briefly throughout the show, but never actually explored in any depth, uh, and that is values and the role that they have on influencing our behavior. Uh, and I thought we could start at a fundamental level, if that's okay. How would you describe values, maybe for those that have heard the term but never actually explored it and as I shared with you offline what I've found in my experience is that people do a lot of work around their beliefs but maybe never actually go and explore their their values which I believe is at a deeper level um, how how would you describe values and how do they get constructed as part of our identity sure well um, thanks for having me Simon um, and I think values might be best described kind of in comparison to maybe goals which is what we're maybe used, especially in the career and business world, to setting goals for ourselves, setting goals for our organizations. Goals really can be, um, are, are much more specific and maybe finite and um, kind of time-sensitive concept, where it's something like, um, I'm going to drive to California, versus a value might be something like, I'm headed west. So when we think about a goal, it's often got a, a specific definition, a specific metric that we know when we've reached it, versus the value is kind of a direction that we're maybe heading. Um, and so it can really inform specific actions that we might take, um, but can be applied across contexts. Uh, so it can really lend itself well to being adaptable to a lot of different um, contexts and situations. Values, I would say, are often um, informed by experiences that we've had, whether that's uh, in the positive or in the negative. So when I talk to uh, clients about their values, it's often a process of uh, exploring um, moments in their life where they have really felt the presence of positivity or maybe a concept your, your listeners are familiar with as flow, kind of a flow state where I'm really feeling connected to what I'm doing. Uh, I'm feeling positive about myself. I'm feeling um, that I'm working toward something important. Or in its absence of a value, 
something where I just didn't feel connected to the world around me, to the people around me. Um, it, 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 even to this day, even if I'm past it, I can still kind of feel a reaction to that moment. So really exploring um, what was important to you growing up, what was important to your family, and do you have a positive relationship to what was important, or is it more in the negative or the absence of that you find a reaction? So really through a process of exploration and discussion, we can kind of narrow down what people feel um, are some essential components to mm -hmm. happiness or positivity or engagement with their life. And, and those we would call their values. Yeah, nice. And so uh, you just mentioned the word flow there. Do you find that when people are act operating consistently with those values, that that is a natural state in which they then operate from, that state of flow? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's an interesting concept. Um, flow, for people who aren't quite familiar, it's kind of a, a term coined in positive psychology, and it really intends to mean these moments where time passes uh, at once kind of very slowly where you're very uh, engaged mm. in what you're doing and also you look up and you know an hour or so has passed so time has passed very quickly yes. um, and some of us feel that when we're engaged in sports or uh, a beloved hobby or music something like that um, and that flow can really give us good information about when we're working in congruence with our values. Yeah, nice. And so you've mentioned a couple of things in regards to how they get constructed. How how do they impact our behavior? Like how does how do values impact our our experience of life, um, and in turn the actions that we take, and obviously then the results that we produce. Yeah. So um, interesting. Sometimes I think values uh, they they don't inform our behavior enough, and what is informing our behavior is kind of uh, external uh, expectations or environments that might not share our values. And mm -hmm. so that's when you might feel this kind of crossroads effect where you feel, uh, or this incongruence, right? Where something either in my body or uh, my mood is telling me that the actions I'm taking is not fitting with what's important to me. And those are really important situations to talk about um, with my clients because they really inform us that our actions are not matching our values. Um, and so, so really we want to try to align committed action toward our values so that we experience that congruence or authenticity um, in, in our life. And would you say that values are, are fixed once they're developed or are they malleable or adaptable? Do they, can they change over a period of time or, or due to certain circumstances? Yeah, certainly I think that um, we hold different values at different points in our life. Uh, you know, becoming a parent for me kind of uh, allowed me to explore different types of values um, that were, felt more pertinent to the life phase that I'm in. Um, perseverance might be one <laughs> um, or commitment. Um, but I think also our values can, can be um, more prominent in different contexts. So in my job, maybe I have um, a different set of values that maybe are ranked differently uh, versus my personal life. Maybe I have ones that, that are featured more prominently there. Um, and so I, I think that they are malleable or at least 
they might um, present themselves in different ways throughout different phases or contexts in our life. I would say though that in general, if you're someone who feels like uh, trustworthiness is an important value to you or integrity um, uh, or justice, you know, for example, those might look differently in different phases of your life. Uh, but I would say that we, that's a beautiful thing about values is that they really lend themselves well to different manifestations. Mm. I'm really getting that in what you're saying is that they, the value itself, two people might share the same value, but they may be expressed in different, different behaviors and different actions or in different ways. Sure. And, and yeah, it's beautiful. Identifying your values. How important do you feel that it is for an individual to, to go out and, and, proactively identify what their their values are really important so this is often one of the initial things that i will do with clients um, which sometimes is a little bit of a conversation up front because often people will present to me in kind of a moment of crisis and are really looking for uh, action right away um, and i think that would be similar to with an organization or someone in their career who is looking to make a change they're looking for the next action step and I think for me, it's about explaining why taking the time to do a values clarification exercise or, um, or exploration about what values might be, that's a really important first step because it informs what our actions will be. You know, I can give you advice right away or give you a list of things to do, but we really want those things to be effective. And that's why kind of taking the time to first explore what's important to you or what feels essential to your personal or professional life, that, that's why that's really important because it'll inform what we do next. Sharing, do you have a particular process that you follow to, to help someone identify their, their values? Sure. Well, um, like I mentioned, kind of the first step is, is doing a little bit of the uh, rationale behind why we're doing, you know, I always want people to feel like there's a purpose or an intent behind what I'm asking them to do. Um, you know, a lot of times this will involve um, talking about, as I mentioned, a situation that brought up some pain or discomfort as a good way to determine what value was being blocked or uh, not fulfilled in that moment. And so before I want people to go down that path, I really want them to buy into the idea and, and provide rationale that this is for a good purpose, right? Um, so explaining to them kind of the rationale why values are important to inform our actions is kind of my first step. Um, and then I really use a values card sort, um, which you anyone can kind of find online. And there's a lot of them that are tailored to career or uh, couples work. Um, but I tend to use um, kind of the original individual um, values card sort. And it usually gives... Um, probably about 100, 150 values um, with little descriptions. And I always say, look, these are kind of standard stock descriptions. If it feels like it speaks to you in a different way, that's okay too. Um, but to allow people to kind of sort those um, and rank those first by what's very important and then really within that category, what's essential. And we come up with about five values that we can start to craft some specific actions around um, and, and that way it feels a little bit more manageable. I think sometimes people look at those 150 and it's like, ha, and they're, they're all important. So, you know, what do I do? But really we're talking about 
yes, all of those are important. What is essential to you in this moment? And then we can work from there. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'd love to find your take on values versus beliefs and and the distinction between the two. Do certain belief systems impact values or do values impact belief systems? How do the how do those two um, different functions play out psychologically? Right. Well, um, really, I would say that when someone kind of states a belief to me, I, I use that as a jumping off point to determine what value is driving that. And, you know, beliefs uh, are certainly important for structuring people's lives or tying them to a particular group or organization or part of their identity. Um, You know, particularly I'm thinking kind of a family culture belief or a religious belief or an organizational belief. You know, I'm part of this organization, religion, family. Um, And so in no way do I want to, you know, assert that someone needs to change that. However, I think sometimes people hold on to beliefs where it no longer serves them or it's not feeling congruent with, uh, with their goals or where they want to be going or, or how they're thinking about themselves. And so in that, in that case, I would like to dig a little deeper to say, what is the value that drives that belief? So then we can say, we can hold on to that value that, that kind of serves as a bedrock of that belief but maybe the belief itself is not working for you. So how can we take that value and use that to manifest that into an action or another belief now that now that I'm different or I'm in a different context serves you uh, in a way that you can feel like you're living mm. still true to what's that underlying value. Yeah, nice. And so those values generally drive the belief systems or the beliefs that we have and that we form over, over our life. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. When our values get challenged, let's say it's in a work environment or a social setting, you know, how does that tend to play out? Sure. Um, well, you know, mo- most often I would say that it shows up in the in the way of beliefs get challenged. And okay, interesting. And and so if I say, you know, I think everybody needs to have to show up at the office, and working from home is not something that. Uh, fits with my values. You got to show up because people need to be productive. Well, that belief might be at odds with someone else's belief, which says, well, I can be productive at home. So really what I would say is how can we meet at the level of a core value, which seems to be productivity and integrity of work? Because both people are saying, I'm, my eye is on the goal of being productive. And so that, for me, starts a new conversation instead of the semantics or the logistics around being at the office or being at home. We're now talking about, look, both of you feel like you value productivity. How can we put in some metrics that allow you both to have actions towards that productivity, whether it's at home or at work? So I think when it's challenged, it's often at the belief level. If someone feels as if... um, their values itself are being challenged, that they're part of an organization or a family or uh, you know, any sort of other group where their values are not shared or they're not being respected, that often creates a lot of distress in, in somebody because they might have a value of belonging or community and that is at odds with another value like um, diversity 
or integrity if, if part of their organization is not living up to their word, et cetera. So when someone feels like they hold two values that might be competing or um, one is absent in, in the service of another, that creates a lot of distress in someone. And so it becomes an exploration of um, how can we take actions that fulfill both? And it might mean changing the circumstance. It might mean um, joining a different group or expressing your difficulty to this group. So, so trying to realign that person with what's important to them in that moment, which might look different than what they're doing now. Mm, beautiful distinction. I, I really, I really appreciate the, the fact that for most part, it's the beliefs that are being challenged as opposed to the values. And it's that, that, that maybe more of a superficial level. Uh, and what I'm really hearing in that is the beautiful, um, you know, being committed versus being attached, being committed to a particular outcome or being committed to a purpose or a, an intention as opposed to being attached to the, you know, the circumstances or the stuff. And, um, you know, it's in that attachment to the belief itself that causes the, for most part, causes the stress and the, the discomfort and right. the pushback. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. thinking very much too about kind of a, in, in a relationship context where, you know, this is how I get my need met with this partner I have who gives me companionship or, you know, allows me to be social or has a larger network that I'm a part of. And yet there's something where I'm not being treated with, with respect. And so I'm in this conundrum where I'm getting a lot of my values needs met by this person. And yet some part of me knows that there's a real breach of trust or some, some other value that I hold very dear. And so parting, part of talking to someone about that is you have a value of uh, connection, social connection or network um, and, and community. And how can we replicate that in another context that feels like it doesn't sacrifice another one of your essential values? Because I think, as you said, people get very attached uh, to the idea that this is the way I can get this need met, or this is the way that this value can be expressed. And my job is to kind of broaden that horizon to say, you know, values are very general, generalizable. And often we can get creative about how those manifest in our life. Yeah, beautiful, Jackie. Let's talk about, I think that's a great segue into to collective values, let's say, of an organization or, or a company or any group, really. How much mm -hmm. does the collective values of a group, let's say, uh, well, actually, are there such things as collective values? You know, do people, when they enter an organization or a group, do they do they tend to adapt or change to meet the values within that group? Or do they just find themselves and find how their values fit within that group? What's, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of chicken and the, and the egg mm. here where maybe you're attracted to organizations that uh, – exemplify values that you hold or, uh, you know, market themselves in that way. And then once part of that culture, you're really allowed to kind of express those essential values in that context. Um, and so I, I think part of that attraction maybe initially is, you know, a similarity or commonality. I think um, I've been thinking a lot about this in terms of um, kind of social or societal or, or nation kind of values and what that feels like to be a part of a community or a part of a state or country where 
you feel that their cultural values are really at odds with your personal values. Mm. And, um, you know, from personal experience, that feels really difficult <laughs> uh, when it feels like at this, this nation level or state level, that that is, um, it's, it's a large mechanism at work that feels a lot more powerful than your personal values. And so I think what, um, what I've reflected on for myself and also talked to people about is um, how can we take something and make it more manageable? So really talking about um, small and manageable and specific actions that reflect your value. So if you feel overwhelmed or helpless by being someone in a context that doesn't quite match your values, how can you gain some agency in that moment and be very, very specific on the micro level to then take an action that reflects the value of yours? So, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about the recent social unrest here in Minneapolis, and this has been uh, reflected across our country here in the States. Um, but oftentimes it feels overwhelming in the face of kind of systemic forces that don't hold the same values that I do personally. And so a way to um, kind of counteract that feeling of helplessness or hopelessness even is to on the community level, you know, in my neighborhood, how can I check in on an elderly neighbor that fits with my values? How can I donate to something that, you know, is tangible to me, a specific street or business that I know? So it's really about um, taking action, even in moments of uh, helplessness or hopelessness, that do feel like reflective of your personal values in order to keep on um, uh, that strain of agency and, and able, being able to act even in circumstances that feel overwhelming. Mm, yeah, that's what I'm really hearing. What you're saying is the opportunity to be able to respond and, and uh, despite the fact that it seems overwhelming and the magnitude of a situation is greater than, it's like, well, what can I... You know, what can I respond to here? How can I act consistently with my values in this current environment? Um, and it gives it gives that gives back that that little bit of control or that you know personal responsibility inside of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that, I think that's what I appreciate most about a values about a values framework is that um, it can be very macro. It can be on, at the nation level. It can be at the global level, and it can really be at this moment level. The ultra micro level, you know, I'm really angry and I could yell at my kids. Instead, part of my values is patience or uh, caring. And so how can I choose it in this moment? Uh, and then I'll choose it for the next one too. So I appreciate how um, your word malleable and applicable that the values framework is because it feels like it can span contexts and um, hierarchies of power and influence. Mm, interesting. And I just want to just chat about that. You know, we talked about obviously at a macro global, you know, um, a national, you know, especially, you know, what's happening across the US and across the world right now. Um, right. My question is, let's, let's pull it back to more of a, let's maybe a micro level, let's say an organization, a company that's, you know, got you know, 50 to 100 staff or, you know, possibly even 1,000 staff. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that this is a, that would be a microcosm for what happens on the macro as well. Um, how, how do 
that the collective values of a group actually get created? You know, how does how does that come to pass? Is it a is it a collective? Is it the sum of all the behaviors and the actions that have taken that have happened in the past? Or you know, how does how does the culture? I suppose that value create or impact culture within an organization, a group, a country, a nation, a, a society. Yes. Um, good question, Simon. Um, I would say, uh, I would say it's a combination. Now that's, that's a therapist answer for you. Uh, it depends. Um, no, I, I think that it's a combination where, um, someone has a stated maybe, and, and I think it has a lot to do with power and influence, right? I, I can't deny that, that, someone who starts an organization or leads an organization has a lot bigger voice uh, and impact on setting the tone of an organizational culture. And so um, I, I think that has a big influence. Now, I think that it's one thing to kind of come up with a mission statement or your values on paper. It's quite another to kind of live that out um, and show that in the workplace and not just on your corporate or organizational face. And so I think um, maybe the primary values is what is um, presented or advertised. And then maybe some of the core values is, is what the people inside the organization really see. And that, and that could be something like integrity where, yes, this is what it says on your mission statement. And are you really backing that up? Or as an organization, we are serving our community, but are, are you serving your employees in the same way? And so I think there's a lot more nuance maybe to the behind the scenes type of organizational culture and the values that that organization holds. Um, because I think that's where kind of the rubber meets the road there, where it's, it's one thing to have a goal or an, an aspirational value of a, mis a mission statement, it's another thing to actually have that as a part of your embedded culture with your employees. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. There's the work that I do with some of my clients in regards to their their values or their purpose or their mission, you know, is is really having them get that this is not a marketing activity. This is not a this is not something to put on your website to make it look fancy. This is, you know, what are you willing to stand by? What are you willing to stand for within this organization? And what are you willing to act consistently with? Because at the end of the day, there's there can be those those values this is what we believe or this is what we stand for if the actions are inconsistent with that at least in my experience you see um people become disenfranchised people become disengaged you know they and and, and potentially even push back you know when when enough is enough or when you know that they they call the leadership out on that yeah you know i um, it's been very interesting to kind of witness um uh the new generation, the young generation kind of come up and hold some of these companies accountable or push for some of these mission statements or philanthropic uh, arms of organizations where, um, you know, I don't know that if that pressure hadn't been there to walk the walk, uh, that these companies would have done that. And so I think that's a really important part of um, how organizational culture has evolved is that now there's an expectation that um, you will not only have values in the product that you're marketing, but also how you're treating your employees or uh, what you're doing to give back and that your, your focus isn't only on profits, that you're, you're about sustainability. You know, I, I think a lot about um, the impact of the sustainability movement on, 
uh, global organizations has had on uh, what are you doing? You're, you're doing a lot of these greenwashing marketing activities and, and really what are you doing to back that up? So I think that's a great example of how values, it's not just a statement of goals, it's action that reflects uh, kind of values across your activities, whether that's your company activities or your internal activities, your employees, all those things. Mm. And what sort of impact do you think uh, a leader of an organization has on influencing the collective experience or the collective values of an organization? You mentioned influence and, and power at the, you know, moments ago. Do you think that's that has a has a role or has the ability to be able to and the reason I'm asking this is one of my favorite Chinese proverbs is the fish always rots from the head uh, and I and I want to see I'm just intrigued to ask you while I've got you here is is how that would play out on a, at a values level maybe on an individual level as well as at an organizational level well look I, I think we've all been part of organizations big and small that that um, you very quickly realize if someone at the top is living out the values that they are encouraging their staff or their employees to do, to, to, to be, to manifest. Um, and I think that really has an effect on morale and motivation uh, and, and a willingness to make sacrifices personally and professionally for the organization or the mission or the, uh, you know, the product, whatever it might be. And so if, if nothing else, I think it's a powerful motivator for the people that, that you're leading to be someone who uh, lives congruently with their values. And um, as a leader, I, I think that that is a position of power that needs to be respected in, in, in the way of, um, I'm gonna do what I say. And, and I think that that is, um, people very quickly figure that out. And so there, there's no hiding from that, whether it's uh, above board or below board or whatever. I mean, there just is, people know that. And so um, if integrity isn't your thing, motivation should be your thing, right? So, so what's driving you if it's not, I need a personal sense of authenticity or congruence, then maybe what motivates you is I need people to do their stuff. And that's okay too. I'm not here to judge, but just thinking about it from in terms of motivation, I think an organization is much more cohesive, motivated, um, you know, from a perspective of retaining employees. People want to be a part of something that they feel congruent with, authentic with, a part of. So I think that really has a big influence on an organization. Yeah, nice. Jackie, what about groups or managers of groups or teams uh, understanding the values of the individuals within that team? Do you, th do you feel that would be valuable within an organization or a group or, a, you know, obviously at a societal level, that's, you know, near impossible, but um, you're talking about, we've got listeners, uh, um, our audience is a combination of entrepreneurs, managers, business leaders, you know, do, is that a worthy practice, a worthwhile practice? Yeah, you know, I, I do. I think this could be a really valuable exercise specifically for teams, I think is probably most manageable um, from a kind of a higher level of organization. But if you're a manager and you have a couple people on your team, it might be worth having uh, an exercise where you talk at the individual level about what drives people. 
because as I said before, if you're having a lot of clashes with someone, that might be at that belief level or an interpretation, a different interpretation of a shared value. And so really, if you're looking for a way to align yourself with your team members, um, or if you're at a higher level with your managers, what you need first is to not dispute the surface level semantics or logistics. You need to really come together at this core level, um, which, which builds cohesion and, and builds motivation so that when you have disagreements or um, differences in motivation, you can come back to that touchstone as, hey, remember, we are both on the same side here. We are both aligned in our value of service. And um, you're, you're acting in this way that you think re um, reflects service. This is the direction I'm thinking. We're both acting from service. How can we align our actions to reflect those values? And so I think it's a way to talk in a shared language um, and also feeling aligned uh, in a way that if you're confronting someone about their actions specifically, it can feel uh, difficult to, to put it mildly, right? Or personal. And so I think it's a way to have a shared vocabulary that um, might prevent disagreements or conflict, or at least make them more tolerable to come up with a solution. Well put, well put. How, do you mind if I talk about mindfulness and their application to, to the values or its, its impact on values? So increasing one's uh, mindfulness practice, whether it's at work or at home, um, what sort of impact does that have where, uh, on, on values or personal values and, and the behavior that, that follows? Sure. Well, um, really, mindfulness is an important part of my work with clients on exploration of values. And um, the reason why is because values kind of live in our mind and body space. And so our mind and our body give us a lot of good information at any good at any moment where we can use that to turn into actions. And um the way that I, I start to tune that in is to, to hone skills of observation. So like I said in the beginning, um, determining values based on when I'm feeling in a flow state, I know that that's in service of my value. Well, it's not just cognitive. It's I have a certain physical sensation, you know, maybe it's a lightness that I feel or a pleasant warmth or my breathing feels regular and steady. Um, and in, and in its converse, where I feel an absence of that value of trustworthiness or um, you know, I'm not feeling respected, I feel a pit in my stomach or I feel tension in my shoulders or my, I hold my breath. And so really using a tool of mindfulness as observation of physical sensations, thoughts, uh, and emotions to give us information about what values we are um, attracted to or what values we have reaction to when they're absent. So using it as kind of a, a guidebook um, to give us more information about how we can get closer to acting in alignment with those values and how we need to listen to our body or our minds or our emotions when they're telling us that something is blocking our value, there's a barrier there, or we're not in acting in accordance with those values. 
Mm, yeah, brilliant. So utilizing a, a regular mindfulness practice to cultivate that self-awareness, to be able to tap in at, a, at a, both a mental and a physiological level to, uh, to see how, our, what our experience of life is like in that moment. Exactly. And I think too often we've kind of shut that off and we kind of live in the, in the brain, uh, which is different than the mind. Um, and so, so really allowing ourselves to repair that connection between what's happening in our mind and what's happening in our body, because that's really good information. Mm. And so, try, you know, people sometimes are a bit reluctant because body emotions and sensations and thoughts can feel very overwhelming. So we often do a lot of work to try to distance ourselves from that because we just need to think and figure it out. But really what, what I, I hope to do in introducing mindfulness is that your mind and your body are an incredible tool for um, or a barometer for, you know, keeping you on track toward what's important um, and letting you know why sometimes when you just feel like I'm not myself or I'm really overwhelmed, but I can't pinpoint it with a mindfulness practice, we can get closer to why you're feeling that way. And, and that offers some comfort in amidst the distress because you're actually knowing what's happening. Yeah, beautiful. And Jackie, do you have any mindfulness practices that you recommend, some go-tos, maybe things that you do yourself or some simple ways to begin a practice or even just cultivate it maybe at a deeper level? Yes. So um, I'm a big proponent of the self-compassion um, kind of area of mindfulness, which offers a lot of validation for whatever is kind of going on with us at any moment. Um, and not to be confused with kind of self-pity or self-indulgence. It's really about trying to understand the factors that are at play at any given moment in our experience that might cause us to feel the way that we do. So um, there's um, the um, Mindfulness Self-Compassion website by Kristen Neff is a great one. They have a lot of accessible exercises to try out there. Um, also, I'm a big fan of very deep breaths, which is often the entry point for a lot of people uh, with mindfulness. So when we are distressed or we're experiencing kind of a fight or flight, often the first thing that gets affected is our breath. And so either we're taking shallow breaths or we're not breathing or holding our breath. And so attending to your breath can be one of the most powerful ways to enter into mindfulness. Um, and often I do a simple one of breathing in for the count of three, breathing out for the count of three. And you will be amazed at how physiologically that affects your body. It tells your brain, we are not being chased by a tiger. We are here in this moment and we're okay. So, yes. so really, I, I cannot be a bigger proponent of just taking a deep breath. It's so beautiful. As you said that, I literally wrote down three by three. <laughs> Which is, you know, one of, one of the yeah. pra simple practices that my coach gave me. You know, we, when you experience yeah. that um, that disconnect from what's happening, or there's a sense of overwhelm, or you're just not not in mm -hmm. your body. That three by three by three, you know, three three seconds yeah. in, three seconds out, three times, and it makes a profound yes. difference to your to my mental state. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So very beautiful, beautiful. Well. Dr. Jackie, how can people get a hold of you if they if they want to? If uh, you know, how could they connect with you? Uh, I really appreciate you being on the, on the show and, and appreciate your time. So, if somebody's in the in the U.S. in Minnesota, how could they connect? 
Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm under Dr. Jackie Henry. Um, I'm also on Psychology Today, which is a um, search engine for therapists and psychologists um, across the country, across the U.S. Uh, I also do telehealth. And so if people are interested in that as a mode of connecting, they can contact me through my website, which is um, mindfulconnectionsmn, is in Minnesota.com. Um, and uh, I'd look forward to hearing from you. Any questions, anything that you want to follow up on, I'd be happy to talk with you. Thank you so much. Uh, again, thank you for your, your generosity, your wisdom, uh, and your time. And uh, I wish you all the very best with uh, both in your practice as well as, um, you know, in the current state of affairs. Thank you. Um, and sending you much love and, and gratitude. Thank you for listening to the Zen Business Podcast. Wherever you are right now in the world, I'm grateful for your time, for your attention, and for allowing my guests and I to be part of your day. Please like, comment, or share if you feel moved to do so. And if you'd like to match faces with voices, you can jump over to our YouTube channel where you can find all of the episodes that we have filmed so far. Thank you once again, and until next time, stay safe, be kind, and enjoy the now.